Ladies, gentlemen, and friends beyond the binary, welcome to Trope Trophies with your hosts, Yadi and Stephanie. In this podcast, Jotty and I will be exploring tropes and we will be pinning two characters or stories against each other. We will be giving a brief summary of the trope, then we'll have three rounds to prove to you that our character should be the winner. Super important to mention this podcast is filled with spoilers, so if you're interested in any of the characters or stories mentioned in this podcast, pause the episode and go watch what we do in the shadows and Digimon Adventures, original or reboot. Now, without further ado, this episode, the trope is the five-man band. I was inspired by a YouTube channel called Overly Sarcastic Productions, and one of the tropes that I watched previously was called um, the five-man band, and um, Red really breaks it down and does it in a very comedic way, and I was like, oh, let's do this, because it's so easy to find examples for the five-man band. Oh, this is like it's so hard to pinpoint which one's your favorite. I know. It's literally like everywhere. Every time you see five people, this trope applies to it. And then not even. Sometimes it's just three people and it's just like, yeah, yeah. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> what, what have you been watching this week? Not much. I haven't been watching much. What I have been doing is playing Digimon Cyber Sooth. So it's on the Switch, and I am pacing myself by committing to only complete one chapter at a time. And right now I'm on chapter seven, and I started playing this, like, re-picked up this game. I'm like, uh-uh, because on Sunday you told me you were on chapter four, and it's Wednesday. So I guess you are keeping up your pace of one a day. Congratulations to you. Thank you, thank you. You know, listeners, in the past I would binge play <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure i was like oh she's probably done by now <laughs> no I, I i still need free time that's, that's the only reason i have been... like i work too so <laughs> i have other projects woman. <laughs> so yeah i've been playing digimon you can find it on switch it was a playstation 4 game i think or playstation 3 game originally and it was also on playstation vita but anyway the gist of the game is you're a human you you meet Digimon and you're fighting things. And I'm, I'm still not really in the thick of the plot yet. So I don't want to give spoilers, but it's a long game. It's 120 hours gameplay. What about you? What have you been watching? Just the classics. South Park. Good little comedy I like to watch too and unwind. I watch a lot of comedies. I think the craziest thing I've been watching lately is Search Party. Like I'm, I'm in season four and it kind of hurts to watch the show. Like, don't get to that part where it's just like, you deserve this, but it hurts to watch this, even though I don't root for any of you. All of you are all trash. I hate you all, but I'm going to watch the next episode and I'm going to continue to watch the show. It's like a group of friends that were like all fixated on like a kidnapping and someone going gone. And then it turns into a messy trial of murder. He said, she said. It's just a mess, okay? And then the aftermath of all of that. But it's been really good. I highly recommend Search Party. Round one, introducing the character, setting, and story. I'm doing Digimon Adventures. I'm going based off of the original I saw as a child that was released in America in August 4th, 1999 to June 24, 2000, which feels strange to say because i don't know why i thought it was 
older. I was young and I have a distorted memory of time, I guess. Basically, what Digimon is about is these group of campers accidentally went into the digital world, also known as the Digi-world. And so they have these adventures with their companion Digimon that they meet instantaneously. And it's a long-term mystery about why these children were selected. It turns out that they're the Digi-destined. So they were always destined to be there. But what happened was in 1995, two Digimon came into the real world. The real world is the human world. And they fought. And apparently these seven children were the eyewitnesses to the event. So they were chosen by the Digi world to protect them in their time of need. So these seven children are destined to save both our world and the digital world. So a background for like Digimon, whenever the human world and the Digi world like connect, it's horribly tragic. It should never happen. <laughs> they will always try to destroy the other. It's just this natural thing where they will occasionally meet. It's catastrophic. And the human that made a relationship with the Digimon is like is stopping a Digimon that's causing the horrific situation from occurring. And that's like usually like the theme of every game, like a bigger Digimon demon needs to be stopped by a, a Digimon and a human companion. It's just a trope. So in the five-man trope, there are a classic five. There is the leader, the lancer, the heart, tough guy, and the smart guy. And I will tell you guys that these group of kids embodies this trope to the T. What about for you, so there are a bunch of vampires and we have Nandor, Nadia, and Laszlo and Colin. Colin is a different vampire because he's an energy vampire while the other three are regular. And then our fifth person is Nandor's assistant familiar Guillermo, who is basically like a slave to him until Nandor completes his promise of making Guillermo a vampire eventually. And as of, as of the beginning of like season one, Guillermo's already given 10 years of his life in service to Nandor. He's quite bitter. He, he wants to be a vampire. And he literally on the first episode, he really thinks he's going to be a, a vampire. And Nandor is like, no, I want to go to bed now. Like, continue being my assistant, okay? So that's cute. They have like a little, cute little relationship there. And they're just chilling. They're chilling in Staten Island, New York. <laughs> and... Oh they're pretty <laughs> they're pretty like little useless vampires okay they just eat they sleep and they talk and they eventually get into some messy business round two explain the characters via the lens of the trope so like stephanie had said before we have the leader the lancer the heart the tough guy and the smart guy and so nandor is definitely the leader, Nadja is the heart, Laszlo's the lancer, Guillermo's the tough guy, and Colin is the smart guy. Okay, so I put Nandor as a leader because every time some situation happens, like on like the first episode, when they got a letter from not their creator, but their friend that helped them ship to America to get away from England or just Europe in general due to the prejudices against vampires, 
and they were sent here to take over Staten Island or and if maybe America, but obviously that doesn't happen. And so Nando is introduced as getting the whole gang together to do this meeting. And he's so adamant to get into this specific room, just being so extra with everything and having Guillermo help him with everything. Like, oh, turn off the lights, fix this, fix that. So he's a pretty bossy guy. And I feel like that goes with the leader. And he's basically letting everybody know what's going on. And different occasion, as like Laszlo's the Lancer, Laszlo gets into messes. Like his little background is like literally he used to like kill people for fun in like the 1800s in England. And he was just like, yeah, you know, I was dubbed as Jack the Ripper, like happily admitting that, yeah, that was me. But for an example, how Nandor and Laszlo work together is Laszlo set up booby traps for werewolves because they were pissing in his garden. And they had this whole treaty of the Staten Island Lech Lichtenthrop Vampire Agreement of 1993, which the rules is, is that if they get into any issues, the strongest vampire on their side and the strongest <laughs> werewolf have to get into a fight till death. Why did I think that was bad? I'm like, who's strong if they don't do nothing? But Nando's past life, he was an Iranian barbarian and he was known to just impale people. He literally has this line that says like, I'm not gonna just impale you, I'm impaling everyone. I'm just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, he's literally sick. So he's a smart thinker. He gets into the fight with the biggest werewolf and he throws a squishy toy out of the roof and the big werewolf literally jumps out of the 10 story building. And that's how Nandor wins. <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah, leader. He took that. He did that. <laughs> Lancer is definitely Laszlo because you kill people. He has a witch's hat that's cursed that he loves to wear, even though it's brought in the Irish potato famine, a horse <laughs> trampling him. And his wife, Nadja, who's the heart, literally tries every kind of way to get rid of the hat, but it keeps crawling back. I feel like Nadja's the heart because she... Is like the first vampire that I've actually seen that actually turns somebody into a vampire. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Literally, Guillermo is tasked to bring virgins in for them to eat. And she felt so bad for one of them that she was like, you know what? I'm just going to turn her into a vampire and helped her find her secret power because they all have secret powers. Like she can climb through walls and Nandor can turn into dust or like kind of like vapor, vaporizing. And Laszlo can talk to animals and turn into animals. And so I feel like Nadja's the heart because she has a love interest with Laszlo. They've been married for years, even though they've had multiple affairs. She literally has this character that she's slept with for like centuries, has like an affair with him for like forever. And in every type of life, he gets beheaded and she doesn't know why. And it's literally... Laszlo stepping in every single time to have him beheaded. <laughs> when you were the mouse, I was the cat. I was like, oh my gosh, like literally they just ridiculous all together. <laughs> and then we have the big guy. I picked Guillermo, even though he is a little assistant, he has the blood of Van Hazing. He is like a little alternate vampire slayer. When they get in trouble for being accused of murdering another vampire, a bunch of vampires are coming in to like stab them and like kill them themselves. And he kills every single vampire that they've ever sent. Then we have the smart guy. I think the smart guy is Colin because Colin was actually a part of the vampire council and he was able to get them out 
not out of like their sentence, but he was able to save them from being burned alive and dead. And he's quick. He's a smart guy and how he gets his energy since he's an energy vampire. He works in an office and he literally bores people to exhaustion where they can't do anything. Like you ever feel that lanky feeling at work where it's just like you had this conversation with someone and they took every inch of energy you had to begin with? That's Colin. So I really believe these kind of energy vampires are real. But as a whole together, they work together to help each other out. I feel like at the end of the day, anytime anybody has a problem, they help each other out. Like Colin helping them out of the vampires council, Guillermo stepping in, helping them out with the vampire council, Naja helping her husband and Nandor who got locked up in animal control. She came in swift with that. I would say the same for Laszlo, but I don't feel like he's helped in any kind of way so far. Stephanie, your round two. How are your characters in the lens of the trope? Okay, so leader, hands down, obvious, no-brainer. Tachi, also known as Tai, from the get-go, he's always had the initiative, always trying to move the team forward, even though... As everyone knows in anime, the leader is the dumbass and has no idea what the hell is happening. So that's why you need the smart guy. His name is Boshiro, also Izzy. And then our Lancer is Yamato, but also known as Matt in the American version. And then I'm going to brush little things, guys. Trust me, so this can make sense. And then we have another character named Joe. He's the tough guy but if you see a picture of joe joe is like the nerd guy <laughs> that's the same for guillermo like literally air quote <laughs> but the reason why i put him there is because his digimon when he when he digivolves is like the tank that's my defense for joe and then we have sora mimi takiro which um his nickname in, in the english version is tk and then um kairi which her name is in English, but her Japanese name is Hikari. So what I do praise about Digimon is that they're pretty close, pretty closely accurate to the actual Japanese names. Now, each character has a trait that was bestowed upon them based on like their most positive traits. Even if the character doesn't realize that it's like their best quality, the DigiWorld acknowledges it, okay? So I'm going by their English name because that's my childhood and that's how I'm going to remember them, okay? It's easier for me. Ty is courage. Matt is friendship. Sora is love. Mimi is sincerity. Joe is honesty or reliability. TK is hope. Kyrie is light. And Izzy is knowledge. So as you guys may may or may not have noticed about this game in this in this anime, Hikari, Mimi, TK, and Kairi are to me the heart. All of the girls are definitely the heart, and TK is like the beacon of hope. TK is the one that you go for. It's just like I'm falling in despair. And TK is like, there's no such thing as despair. And you're like, oh okay. <laughs> if TK is crying and it's just like you can do it, it's like yes, I can fucking do it because TK fucking told me I can do it. So how the dynamic goes is as usual, the lancer and the leader are usually fighting over who has the like the most authority. And so what's interesting about Digimon is, like I said earlier, the, these. Personality traits are traits that the digital world acknowledges, but like the character doesn't. So for Matt, his thing is friendship, but Matt is such a loner and does not open up to people. So 
I won't say antisocial because that's not what it is. It's just he's so reserved and like closed off. And this is a product from his parents having a divorce and him feeling like he has to take care of TK himself, that he can't rely on people. So he kind of like always subconsciously and overly was like, I don't care about the rest of y'all. Just don't touch my brother. Like he's done that multiple times. And like later in the series, he disbands from the whole group. Leaving his brother with the group is just like, I'm going to go do it my way. And then realizes, no, there's power in numbers and being taken care of. But what is wild to me, right, is that he had difficulty dealing with his human friends, but his digi, like his personal Digimon, Gagumon. I'm over here like, Gagumon, the heck? Their bond is so tight that they're always together no matter what. And I'm like, I hope you learn friendship with Gagumon because obviously you don't have a trust with no one else. So that was that dynamic. And then honestly, Sora, Mimi, Hikari, Kairi, and TK, they've all had moments where it's just like another character can't function or do the right thing or think clearly if this character wasn't in the case scenario. So it's just always kind of like they pair off. For me, Mimi's always usually paired off with Joe. Sora's usually paired up between both Matt and Ty. And then TK and Hikari, because they're so close in age, are just always paired together. So they're like, to me, the heart twins. And coincidentally, are the younger to Matt and Ty. They're just meant to be friends and be like, I'm going to balance my brother out. You balance your brother out. Yeah, we're balancing our, our siblings. It's just like, as soon as you put like two baby little siblings and like their little doe eyes, it's over. They're the hearts. Right, they're the hearts. So everyone in the show comes together. Everyone acknowledges they're already bounded by destiny, by the strings of fate over their shared experience of watching a, a mega Digimon battle in Tokyo at age five and three. That's not <laughs> like, the type of stuff you could forget, though. No, like, this is like, remember that time where we saw um Greymon go and beat up Parrotmon? And everybody's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, no, but like, I saw it. It was real. It's just like, no one knows what you're talking about. And then sure, like, kid. <laughs> right. And then you go to summer camp and all your friends are like, oh my God, when I was seven, I saw a Digimon fight. It was like, yo, me too. It's like, wait, what? That wasn't my figure of imagination. Like, you imagine being in that type of summer camp. This is how we all relate. Yay! Yay! And then being transported into the Digi world. <laughs> like, instantaneously. <laughs> okay, so now we're up to round three. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Right. So why they are good, bad, via the trope. So, for me... I love Digimon. I do. They, it gives me nostalgia. My favorite Digimon is Patamon. Love him to death. I have a huge Patamon plushie in my bed that I bought in Comic-Con. No regrets. Even though I, I truly do want to win. But for me, I feel like there are too many characters that play the role of the heart. But again, Digimon is a very intense series. So not to be confused with Pokemon. Digimon is like, you are killing, you are definitely killing the opposite Digimon. And by killing, I mean like their data is restarted and they start from zero. So they're like constantly being reincarnated in a sense. But there are instances where you can delete this person from existence. So it's a very dark show. There are moments where I remember things vaguely where I'm like, oh, that's kind of inappropriate. But they killed Angelomon. 
but he got reincarnated as an egg and TK over here is just like loving this egg because he knows that that egg is Patamon and I'm just like did the boys fry me to die? (laughs) They're like was that necessary or when there's this villain I'm blanking out with these names that is trying to destroy the city and he's like I need more power so he eats his minion and it turns out his minion's personality is stronger than the actual guy's and you're just left with this body horror where the upper half is no longer conscious but it's still moving and it's really the stomach that's doing all the work and this is like mid-season that's why i'm like the heart makes sense because what i'm describing is definitely nightmare fuel i was like, like i'm surprised stomach. i never had a nightmare about the shimon i'm like is this, this is watching i've watched curse the cowardly dog and never had issues i'm like were we watching watch this? Horror, but can't watch horror movies <laughs> everyone's like Oh my God, how can we have been okay? I'm like, I wonder the same thing. What's wrong with me? <laughs> I was just like, I don't remember this. I'm like, my mind has protected me from recalling any of these memories. There was even an episode where this Digimon called Puppetmon was controlling people and like making them do really heinous stuff. And then it's kind of like, this should have impacted me, but it didn't. <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm like this. Oh, should, should be some type of concern, but not really. <laughs> Gosh. For my round three, the good and the bad are between my group. They're all good because at least they're part of a vampire community. At least Guillermo's working his way towards to become of this vampire community. Colin's so involved. He's in the vampire council. He's involved in like human life and vampire life. He has a good balance with everyone. They're all living together. And this is the same guy that like drains people of their energies at work. Yes, has a good personal and work-life balance. Yes. <laughs> that's our guy. Okay. I feel like that's their strongest points. Naja and Laszlo are definitely like a strong pair because they're married and they do music together. They're like a little musical duo. They have their moments and they have a lot of sex. So good for them. Healthy relationship, even though they've had a lot of affairs. But what do you expect? They're vampires. That's my question, right? They're vampires. So maybe what we're viewing them as is a monologist. Words, viewers, I mean, monogamous. <laughs> yeah, monogamous relationship. But what happens if they're actually poly and they have an open relationship? But then again, I don't know if of your earlier statement about the guy always killing <laughs> the other guy for the affair. He probably is like, this is taking too long. I don't like it. <laughs> and they also have sex with the same people. They both had an affair with the Baron which is the vampire that helped them get to America in the first place. And they like <laughs> literally said the same exact thing about him. He's he done nasty things, real disgusting things. Meanwhile, this man has like no genitalia, nothing. And it's just like, I don't know what happened, but he kind of looks like a bat. But it is what it is. I mean, Laszlo does act on bestiality. He does have sex with horses. But that's because he could turn into animals, right? Yeah, sure. It could be both. We don't know what vampires are capable of. I was going to make a joke and be like, I mean, he has no genitalia, but at least his mouth works. But, you know. I... <laughs> ew. You want to ew that? And you just told me about bestiality fudging horses? That's what you want to... <laughs> ew. Like, to my mouth? At to least I didn't mouth. see it. See, your, your imagination's too active. I wasn't picturing it, okay? Oh, I'm saying that, ill because that, I've seen it there. protecting you from that's, what... That's I, what my mind does. 
And I guess the bad thing is, is just that everyone basically hates Guillermo. Even kind of like Nandor a bit. He doesn't hate him, but he gets annoyed from him. He's just like, Guillermo's just always there. He's like my shadow or something. Do something. Laszlo and Naja can't stand him. They blame him for everything that goes wrong. Oh, so he's comedy relief. Oh, yeah. So that's another thing, viewers. The tough guy sometimes is the comic relief, which is another reason why Joe makes sense to me, because Joe is the one who is always resisting the adventure. And so it's always a comedy when his resistance results in a failure that results him to come back to the party that he was not interested in. Exactly. And that's pretty much Guillermo. They also have like unique things about them, like a unique, irrelevant, special trait. And I think it doesn't really apply to Guillermo, but I think it applies to you with Tank. Does he have a unique special trait? Yeah, his Digimon turns into what looks like. And an example for why Laszlo and Naja are suckish towards Guillermo is that they literally had their own familiar named Topher and he died and they made him into a zombie and he was literally trying to kill Guillermo and they were ga- all gaslighting Guillermo saying, oh, there's nothing wrong with Topher. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, meanwhile, this guy is like running, trying to save his own life from being attacked from a zombie. So I'm just like, yally shit. And then Colin literally sees all these dead bodies after like Guillermo has like a hissy fit and like doesn't want to work there for a while. There's a lot all over the ground and Colin's like, y'all gotta clean this up. You see, like, what's all what's all of this? As them working together, they suck in that aspect. But overall, they're all very comedic characters and it's all the show shot mockumentary style. So okay. a lot of them are just, it's just out of the world, out of whatever they're saying is just out off the script most of the time. I guess what I like about yours is, is I feel like there's a lot of hearts, actually good people, especially since they're children. So in the end of the day, like they are good in the heart yet, you know, they're still good people and they all work together. I just love in the hearts. They got brothers and sisters out here. Like, you know what Naja had? Naja said that they used to have freak shows back when she was alive and heritage is like Romani or like Romanian thing. And she said with all her brothers and sisters, they only had to share one balloon and they would bite each other to get the balloon. And one of her sisters bit her brother so hard that it bit a piece of his thigh and they sold it for money. Yeah. Yeah. It's very kind hearted little innocent show that does have dark themes, but I feel like that's what makes it so nice. And you guys have, like, interesting monsters. And everybody, in the end of the day, works together, okay? When it's needed, dire issues. Like, it's like, we're all here. We're all on the same team. We're all destined to be here. I would like to argue that I believe trying to survive in a strange world that you have adult authorities is constant life or death situation. Some people just go about their own parts anyways. I mean, that's what Matt did at one point. (laughs) And then he, what he do? He came right back. Right back. <laughs> came right back. He said, "Wait, hold up." <laughs> he, said, he said, "This is ghetto." <laughs> so, who do you think is the winner? Do you think it is what we do in the shadows or the Digimon Adventures? Leave a comment on our Instagram at Trope Tropies, listeners. If you have any tropes or characters you like for us to battle. DM us on Instagram. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For notifications on our latest episodes, subscribe to our show. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
or wherever you listen to this podcast. If you'd like to follow us on our socials, Jadi is at Jadi Adi, J-A-R-I-A-R-I at Instagram and my social Stephanie, the Bewitching Bard at all socials. And I'll see you next episode. Stay tuned.